15. The Bible says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Thank the Lord for his word. Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter number 18. We will look at um, the whole chapter, but I want to concentrate on the later end of the chapter this morning. Um, so good to see you all this morning. Matthew chapter number 18 deals with a subject that is not a very light subject. A subject that, um, as I approached this text, I approached it with great care, uh, knowing and understanding my frailty and my faults as a human being. Um, I know that at any one moment I would allow my flesh and carnality the rule causing me to be unforgiving in my spirit. And so this morning, the Lord has impressed upon me to speak to us about the subject of forgiveness. And as I approached um, this subject, I I wanted the Lord to help me, my heart first. And so it took me about three weeks to wrestle with this. I wrestled with it, and as I wrestled with it, God helped me, helped my heart to see my stubbornness, my pride, my inability as a human being because of my pride to love those that wronged me. I saw all that in, in the weeks that, that were leading to today, and the Lord broke many things that were in my life personally as I approached the scripture. And so it is with a great prayer in my heart what God has done to me. I pray that the Spirit of God take these scriptures and do a work only he can do in your hearts this morning. And so I pointed to myself that I need forgiveness. And so I preach it to myself this morning. So Matthew chapter 18 is a broader I brought up a passage of scripture that deals with so many aspects. It is one of Jesus' parables. Jesus preached so many parables. He taught so many parables. 
There were reasons why he taught and preached in parables. Okay? So when we come into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that these four guys write from their four different perspectives the one story of Jesus Christ. And so John sees Jesus as God. Luke sees Jesus as the Son of Man, which is his messianic title. And then also Mark sees Jesus as the suffering servant, which is also a messianic title. But when we come to Matthew, Matthew deals with Jesus as the promised Messiah and as the soon coming king. And just like any other king, this king will have a kingdom. And so we enter into this passage with a view that Matthew presents. And so we enter into this, this sermon and this topic of forgiveness, seeing it in the perspective of this king. I tried to manipulate this passage, to use this passage to knock heads. It didn't work. I knocked my own head. I tried my best to manipulate it until I came to this point where this passage was spoken by the king himself. This passage was spoken by the Messiah himself. The one that every man, every Jew looked to to come to set up a kingdom. They looked towards that. And here, the Messiah came and he spoke these words that we are about to see this morning. See, they thought that he would come and set up a kingdom. Of course, the scripture said that. But when Jesus came, he spoke of the kingdom, but they did set it up physically. They were disappointed, most of them, and they walked away. Many times, we expect God to do what we want him to do. But God knows what he asks. We just need to be patient. So Matthew presents Jesus as the Messiah King, and we find him throughout his gospel and in our passage this morning as the king. If you look at our passage, Matthew chapter 18, I want you to see verses 21 to verses 35, and you make a note on verse 21. Okay? So verse 21, you put a note. So that the line from verse 21 separates verse 1 to 24 and itself from 25, 21 to 35. So this passage, this chapter, naturally breaks up in two with two separate questions. One in verse 1 and one in verse 21. I want you to take a note of that. So our passage in Matthew is broken into two major sections. That's from 21 to 35. From verse 21 to verse 27 is one thought. From verse 28 to 35 is another thought. 
So I want you to also take note of that. And so we approach this passage in verse number 23 to begin with. And the first word gives us a clue where to go. Okay? So the first word is therefore. Therefore. Matthew chapter number 18, verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servant. Therefore. When I was in school, my teacher told me, if you see a word, therefore, ask this question. Why is therefore, therefore? And so this morning, let's ask that question. Why is therefore, therefore? So Jesus talks about a kingdom in this parable. Why? Because Peter asks a question in verse 21. Have a look at it. All right. Have a look at that question. But before we go to Peter's question, let's, let's step back from verse 21 and let's look at the whole chapter in its entirety. Chapter number 18. In chapter 18, we see in verse 1, and the, time, and the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Great question. Who's going to be the greatest? So all 12 of them, they were, they were, they were sitting, probably relaxing from, from coming back from the Mount Transfiguration. And as they were sitting and talking, they raised a question and their spokesman gave that question to Jesus. Who's going to be the greatest? Okay, who's going to be the greatest? And so, if you understand what's happening, you will know, notice that and know that they came from the Mount of Trans Transfiguration after a six-day walk. And Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on the mountain, and they met, they saw Jesus meet with Elijah and Moses. They watched them have a conversation. They saw Jesus glory. They saw Jesus' face light up, his body light up. They saw the glory of God. And then God spoke. When God spoke, there was a different story. They all fell down as if they were dead. All right? But they came down from the mountain knowing that the three of them were in the inner circle and they asked that question with, with all that pride, you know, because they were with Jesus Moses is there, Elijah is there, God spoke. But you mean triple M, big line, eh? that, That's the idea, okay? So as, as they are talking, the disciples are all questioning, but we are 12. He chose us, all of us. Who's going to be the greatest? Peter, James, John, maybe three of you, but hey, me too. Me and me sit down, and I'm looking at my penis. Time mile away, he saw me under the fig tree. He saw me sitting down, you know. I'm going to talk, talk how Christ made them. They, they wanted to be big shots in the kingdom. And so Jesus, in chapter 18, they come to Jesus with this question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Verse 23, 21 to 35. 
is what we're going to look at this morning. But I want us to start here so we can understand the context of it. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus said in verse 2, he brings up a little child, and he says, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But Eric, we're talking about forgiveness. Yes, we're talking about forgiveness. What does this have to do with forgiveness? Watch it as it goes. Jesus said, without humility, you cannot go to heaven. You cannot go to the kingdom without humility. Without humility, you cannot be the greatest. And then he goes in verse 5, 6, 7, and he says, without humility, you will make your brothers and sisters stumble. Without humility, your brethren will stumble because of your words, your actions, and your reactions without humility. And then he carries on and says that in verse 10, verse 11, verse 12, he speaks of the sheep that is lost. And this shepherd leaves 99 and goes and looks for this one sheep Without humility, the shepherd will not look for one lost sheep. But a shepherd goes and looks for the lost sheep, the broken sheep, because he knows the value of the sheep. And a shepherd is humble. Without humility, you and I will not go seeking for those, our brethren, who are broken without humility. And so he carries on to verse 15 and 16. And then he talks about a brother that is, has a fault against another. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. What's the word? Go. Go because you are humble. Go because you have humility. Go and tell him his faults between thee and him. Alone. 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 See, without humility, that cannot be done. See, Jesus is talking to his disciples. There is no kingdom yet, no visible kingdom, no, no physical kingdom. There is no church yet. But Jesus is talking about kingdom, and now he's talking about church. Two different things, two different establishments, two different institutions. Jesus is talking about those when he's addressing the issue of humility to his disciples. 
And then we come to our passage this morning. In verse 21, Then came Peter and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? It's funny because, um, because Peter, Peter knows the culture there, okay? So in the, in the, in the, um, in the rabbi, their, their tradition, you just, you need to forgive someone three times, okay? And so Peter brings this question and he answers it also by saying, if a brother offends me, should I forgive him seven times? more than the rabbis, okay? Seven times, where did he get that number from? Okay, seven times, a great number. And Jesus answered and said, verse 22, I say unto thee, until seven times, but until 70 times seven. What kind of number is that? Okay, where did, where did all these numbers come from? In Genesis, when Cain killed Abel, God put a forgiveness for him for seven times. And then when his grandson also killed a man, because a man attacked him, the Bible says God gave this number of forgiveness to Cain's grandson. And so we come back here, and Jesus is using this. But what does that mean? You, you, you forgive someone that sins against you 499 times, 490 times, a thousand times? What, Jesus, what are you saying? Ah, brother, you, you offend me, I forgive you. Brother, you offend me, I forgive you. Brother, you offend me, I forgive you. What? You know? What is Jesus, what are you saying? Jesus is saying exactly what he's saying. You keep on forgiving. Forgive. 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 A proud man will say, same something, same something, same something, turn him, turn him, turn him, turn him. Go come, go come, go come, same issue, go come, go come, now me, me tired of forgiving you. A proud man will say that. But he that is, has humility, that's what Jesus is talking about, he that has humility will forgive as much as what God is expecting. There is no number to it, but Christ gave it. And so, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. Now we come to our passage. So the kingdom of God is like a king who has servants, and so in this parable that Jesus gives, I want us to see that it is humility that helps us to forgive. And what kind of forgiveness we should forgive with. All right? So the, the long story short, a king in a kingdom, he owns so much, and he begins to take account of what he owns and what's been allocated to his servants. And so, 
we see the certain king would take account of his servants. What kind of king is this? A king that keeps good records. He's a king. He's a king that keeps good accounts of what's his. A king that knows what each and every servant has done with what he gave. He keeps perfect records. And so, verse 24, and when they had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. What kind of money? Uh, 10,000 talents. Okay. So in our passage, from verse 21 to verse 27, we see forgiveness displayed. The king will display his forgiveness. In verse 23 to 26, we see an impossible debt to settle. This debt, debt is so impossible. 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is so impossible to be repaid in the servant's lifetime. All right? And you know 10,000 toya? You know 10,000 kina? You know 10,000 dollars? You know 10,000 euros? All right? This is 10,000 talents. We're going to get to that. See, that, that debt is very, very impossible. So impossible that we will find this man crying and begging the king to give him more time to repay. You see, this guy, this servant is an ungrateful servant. Why do I say he's ungrateful? He's ungrateful. He's ungrateful because what he owes the king is so much. This servant owes him so much that he himself can work for in his lifetime or put his wife and children together in their lifetime. This guy has taken the king's goodness and he has trampled all over it. The king has been so good. He gave him. King, 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 sorry, me no got uh, me. King said, here, take. He comes back next day. King, king, sorry, sorry, me, me no got na. He's getting from the king. He gets from the king. He gets from the king and he uses it up. He, he throws it away. He misuses it. He tramples on the king's goodness. But that keeps piling up. That keeps piling up. Until to this amount that he himself is probably shocked. What? 10,000? Ah, too late. They are catching him, tying him hand and foot, and bringing him to the king. See, The goodness of God that God bestows upon us 
shouldn't be misused, shouldn't be trampled over. God keeps on blessing us. God keeps on blessing you. God keeps on blessing me. But if I am proudful, if I don't have humility, I would get and get and get and trample over all that God gives me to the point where it abounds. Romans 5.20 talks about it. See, when sin is there, law abounds it. And it grows, and it grows, and it grows. This servant was ungrateful in his heart. He took what his master gave him and made it his, and then he misused everything. So where sin was, sin grew. Verse 25, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and the payment to be made. It's an impossible bill, very impossible bill. Inolitic bill, inolitic invoice, triple invoice through, all right? He couldn't pay it, so they had to take him, his wife, his children, and all that he had, so that his bills may be paid to some extent. What kind of bill was that? 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents and one kind of money. See, one talent equals to 20 years of labor work. 1,000 talents. One talent, sorry. One talent equals 20 years of work. This guy most probably will live 60, 70 years. Let's give him 80 years. He will make four talents in his lifetime. Four. 10,000 talents. What is four talents equivalent to 10,000 talents? How, 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 does, how does he pay back? One talent equals to 33 kilograms. That's about 72.75 ounces, okay, of copper coins. Now, you take that and you, you do the math for 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents equals to 200,000 years of labor work. Man, you are dead. 200,000 years. This guy has to live for 200,000 years to pay back his master. He cannot. Too much. Big money through. It's about 330,000 kilograms or 7 million and 27 ounces or 330 tons. Or just for you to see, it looks like this vehicle. So, what he owes the king is like that vehicle. The, the, the weight of it. That vehicle, when you stand near that vehicle, the tires are humongous. Octavia, I got my name, Mr. Car. Moxie Car. So, huge vehicles. 
But if this guy had to repay the king, he had to bring a vehicle like that with all the copper coins and give it to the king. Sorry, king, car blew you. Car blew you, I'm going to It cannot repay. The debt is too, too huge. It cannot repay that. See, because he cannot repay that, he was brought to the king, and his, he and his wife and children were also affected. Can I make a point here for us to consider? Your sin that always affects the ones you love the most. Can I say that again? Your sin that will always affect the ones you love the most. This guy, because of his greed, because of his pride, because of his selfishness, because of me, 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 I, 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 got a huge truck full of debt. He cannot repay his wife, his children, and now in the bondage with him. Sorry, Joe. And then he cries in verse 26. The servant therefore falls down and worships him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Imagine. I will live for 2,000 years and pay everything. You get money. You will not live for 2,000 years. How can you pay it back? But he's crying. He's putting up this nice Cord out tears from his eye. Verse 27. I want you to watch the king's attitude towards the man. See, the man is a liar. The man is a thief. The man is a selfish guy. The man, now right down on his knees, he's, he's lying to the king. He can't live for 2,000 years to pay it back. He's lying. The king knows about it. The king can read it from the front to the back, and the king knows it. He's the king. But this guy, on his knees, crying, have patience with me. I will repay thee all. And verse 27, we see the compassionate king. Watch the king. Watch the king. Then the Lord of the seventh was moved with compassion. What kind of king, what kind of king will have compassion knowing that the servant is a liar, a thief, and everything that is bad? What kind of a king? He knows it. He knows mathematics. This guy cannot pay it all in his lifetime, and yet he's moved with compassion. Why is he moved with compassion? Because he cried? No. Not because of his, 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 his activities. Not because of his tears. The king is moved to compassion because he loved the soul of his son. That is why. That is why. Forgiveness is displayed. This is how the king has done it. The death was so impossible, but the grace is insurmountable. Where sin abound, grace did much more abound.
See, he is the compassionate king. He is the compassionate king. He had compassion on him. And then, this is what he said, verse 27. He said, And the Lord said, was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. You see the goodness of the king. Let's, let's look at the goodness of the king. He loosed him. He loosed him. This guy was tied with ropes and chains, and most probably he was dragging a ball of chain in the back. He was tied to his sins. But the goodness of the king loosed him from it. My friends, your sins and my sins will tie us up in our lives. Your unforgiveness, my unforgiveness, will tie us up. Your debts will tie you up. But the goodness of the king, he loosed him. And then watch this. And he forgave him of his debt. The grace of the king. He forgave him of his debt. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The king forgave his debt. All that big octary mining car, one time I got the coins, copper coins, I forgive you. But king, my sin is so great, I forgive you, son, I forgive you. But, 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 I forgive you. He had compassion on him. And, and this guy, watch the scripture, this guy is cunning. He can put up an act. He can put up a play. He's been to the Potmos Arts Theater. <laughs> he's, he's so good. He's so good. I give it to him. He's so good. And so he plays alone. And so, oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're so compassionate. You know, I love you. Oh, God, I'll you sin. The king knows it. The king loves his soul. Son, I forgive you all your debts. Now we go to the next um, passage here. Verse 28 and up to 35 is the unforgiveness defined. This is how the servant ignored his master. So unforgiveness is defined in verse 28 to 35. In verse 28, but the same servant, okay, not, not another servant, this guy, the actor, but the same servant, he went out and he found one of his fellow servants. Watch this. The same servant. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. He goes out. And he searches. And he finds one of his fellow servants. You know what's happening? This servant got the king's money and he landed it out to whoever he wanted. Give him, give him, give him, give him. Emblem, emblem, you. Time me no god, I'm going to invest. I'm invested by me. Me no god, me become you. You, you kiss him, 100 kina, fortnight to you, 150, come back to me. Suppose no god, okay, 200, one time back. Come on, you, you, you saw happiness, okay. 
Lograt by Mikam Katimak Brayan. So he 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 does it. He's he's very good. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, servant. Oh I love, I love you. And he walks out, door is closed, and he's looking around for those who owe him. Those that owe him. And he finds one. One owes him. Ha hey, you. Now by me kissing you. You walk, you doesn't walk, you don't give me money, come back. Now boss him crossing me. You owe me all the money. Come here, come here, come here. Money blow me where? Money blow me where? The same servant found someone that owed him 100 pence. I'll describe 100 pence later. Okay? And he said, he looked at that guy, you owe me. And this was his opportunity to be like his master. His opportunity to show the kindness and the compassion that his master showed him. He had a great opportunity, but he decided to take his arms and Emolim, Nek Mulislaman, Emtok, Yutasolia, you owe me 500 kir, huh? Sorry, bro, sorry, yo. You owe me plus interest, 750 kina. But you're not paying for three years, 10,000 kina. Boss, I'm sorry. He holds him by the neck and he took him by the throat and he said, pay me what you owe me. You see, unforgiveness leads to hatred. Leads to hatred. This is not a different person that he's talking to. Fellow servant. They live in the same house, the king's house. They work together. They see each other pass by. Brothers, because the king calls them sons. Unforgiveness causes you to have hatred to the one you should be loving. Verse 28. And then, in verse 29, his fellow servant fell down at his feet, and he besought him, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. What is this? What is this money that he owes him? What is this hundred pence? A hundred pence or a hundred denarii is a day's, one day's wage. Oh, sorry, one, dinar, one pence or one denarii is a one day's wage. It's a copper coin that weighs about four grams or 0.12 ounce, okay? So a hundred pence or a hundred denarii weighs about four kg, four kg. You owe me four kgs. Son, I forgive you 330,000 tons. Doesn't match, right? He owes the master so much. The master forgives him. This guy owes him four plow rice packet, four kilos. And he holds that man by the neck 
And he drags that man, he drags him, drags him, drags him, drags him, drags him. And the man is crying. He falls on his face and he's besotting him and he's saying, have patience. I will pay thee all. The man's crying is from his heart. No acting. From his heart. And verse 31. So when the fellows, uh, sorry, verse 30. And, and he would not. But went and he dragged this guy and he cast him into prison till he should pay his debt. What's this guy in verse 30? I want you to see him in verse 30. The unconverted and immature are usually stiff-necked. I'll say that again. The person that is unconverted and is immature will not forgive. Can I say that again? The person that is unconverted or immature will be stiff-necked like this guy. He would not. He would not. And this, this, this words, he would not, I highlighted in my Bible. Because it's like, hmm, you, please, please, no, God. Me no, not you. Please, brother, please, please. No, no, no. Carry me. Throw me on the bomb. Now, kiss him, key. Throw me on the floor. Side. Lose me, I'm stopping up. Until I'm paying me over something. I'm glad for friends that care. Verse 31. Friends that care. So when his fellow servants saw, it's going to be obvious. It's going to be obvious, okay? Whatever between a servant and a fellow servant, though it is within the confines of one and one, if it's not settled, will be obvious, very obvious. It's going to affect the seventry in the, in the palace. The king will know it. Like, you to plow someone in. Um, no, God, me all right. Now you, why need to look look like him? No, no, God, me to me all right. You plow, all right, all right, all right, all right. But it's there very obvious, okay? And so, he would not. And so the servants saw what was done. They were very sorry. And they came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Say, good friends will come to you and they will talk to you. One on one. They love you. And if you are hard in your heart, they will go and talk to the king. King. This is happening. I love my fellow servant, but his heart is hard. And so, King, I, I give him to you. And so, th these are very good friends. Count those friends as friends that you need. Friends that will come to you and tell you, my friend, I think, I think the, the person that you put, in, put into jail should reconsider that. And then, if he's a good friend, he will say, yes, I think, yeah, all right. And then it stops there. But this one, let me, let me proud, too proud. All right? Verse 32. And the Ennis Lord, after he had called him, 
said unto him, Watch these words. Watch these words. This is going to get very, very hard. Words from the king. I'm glad it's not my words because I've been hit hard by these words. The king said, O thou wicked servant. Think about it for a moment. Think about it for a moment. Jesus, the king, equates the unforgiving spirit, the unforgiving heart, the one that doesn't forgive, equates that person with wickedness and calls him wicked servant. Strong tense. See, if you, if you, if you have read the Bible, to an extent, you will understand that the term wickedness is associated with damnation. Wickedness associated with damnation. The one that doesn't forgive is on the road to damnation. I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. I forgive you all. The king is reiterating his goodness. I forgave you all that debt because you desired me. Verse 33. Shouldest thou also, shouldest, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Would it would it, would, would, it, would it have been wise for you, O oh dear servant, to have had compassion, just like me, on your fellow servant? But you did not. Verse 34. And the Lord was wrought and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Let's get our head around this. See, the king is very good. King has been very good, very, very compassionate, very kind, very gracious. And these guys trample over all his goodness and grace. And then turns around and holds the neck of someone that has offended him. And then he drags him and when the fellow servant is crying. He hardens his heart and throws him into the prison. And the king is saying, you should have had compassion just like me. The Lord was wroth. See, the implications of unforgiveness are so great in verse 34 and verse 35. The king Delivered him to the tormentors. What is that? What is that? Those that torment prisoners every minute, hour of the day. Just torment. Those that, those that 
you know how they catch a spy, okay? And they tie the spy in a room, and then they get the tormentors to come in, all right? And they will inflict pain on that spy. That's the same language used there. They will inflict pain. And they are there sitting down and watching and asking questions. Is it true? Is it true? Is it you? Are you a spy? No, 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 no. They get a pliers, fingernail out. Ah! Is it you? Talk honest. And he, he torments him. He gets a needle and poke it. Blood flies out. Is it you? He gets a screwdriver, opens his eye and pokes the eye. And then the eye pops. Ah! It torments him. It torments. But he does it just out of fun. He loves it. He does it. That's the language. The, 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 the king gets the one who is unforgiving and hands that person over to the tormentors. For tormentors to torment him. Till he should pay all that was due to him. It's a parable, okay, that teaches a truth. And the truth is this. God has forgiven all our sins. All our sins. All the sins that you and I have committed, God has forgiven them already. Already. Under the blood of Christ. Past, present, and future, all forgiven through Christ. Why should I hold a grudge and be unforgiving to a fellow servant? Why should I? When God forgave all. That's the point of the parable. That's the point of a parable. See, I was reading through um, the life of Cory Ten Boom. Cory Ten Boom lived in the World War II, and she and her sister and the family helped Jews escape the Nazis in Poland. And so they, they, they got Jews and they helped them in their house, they hide them under the house. They made, you know, stuff under the ground, made holes, made uh, places to hide in, in the cupboards and everything. And they, for years, they've helped Jews escape the Nazis. So this is Corey. Corey is telling this story. And Corey Ten Boom says, and then I knocked at the door of my house, and I knew today was the day they found us out. And so that day came. The Nazis came in. And they said, we know that you guys are doing this, and that, it's behind that cupboard. When they open it, for sure, a couple of Jews hiding there. And so they got Corey and his sister, Betsy, and they put them into the prison camp. You know what happens during that time? Jews were being killed, and the friends of Jews were also being killed. And so Corey recounts this horror. In front of Corey, his her sister is killed. Betsy is killed. And the person that kills Betsy grins and smiles and is proud that they've killed Jew, Jewish friends. And the Nazis have done this. They've killed, they've killed, they've killed. And then, 
as they were about to drag Corey and the others, you know, that day was going to come, the Allied forces came in and bang, and the war was over. Corey ten boom was saved. Years later, Corey says, she was speaking in Germany. Corrie ten Boom was speaking in Germany to a, to a group, a large group of people. And as she came to the close, came forward, a German man walked towards her. And when Corrie ten Boom saw that guy, she saw the guy that killed his sister. The guy that tortured many of her friends. The guy that, the guy that was there at the prison camps. And he was, he walked to Corey and said, Corey, do you remember me? This is Corey Ten Boom. She saw him, she recalls him, she remembers him. And she said, for a while I went blank and I just stared at him. In the flesh, Corey had all the right this world could give to hate that man in the flesh. She said, these are, these are some of the things that she said. Corey said, forgiveness is not an act. It's not an emotion. It is an act of the will without the temp temperature of the heart. It doesn't matter what your heart is feeling. It doesn't matter that. But it is your will. I want to forgive him because God, for Christ's sake, forgive me. And this man, he said, Corey, he's crying. He said, Corey, please forgive me. I got saved. I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm a brother. I'm your brother in Christ. And Corey just looks at him and for a second that looks like an eternity, she looks at him and says, I forgive you. I forgive you not because I feel good about it. I forgive you because God for Christ's sake forgave me. Who am I to have unforgiveness towards you. You know, Corey said these words again. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. Corey found grace in God. Grace enough to forgive her tormentor. How is it with us? How is it, is, how is it with us this morning? How is it with us this morning? The parable was given for three reasons. And let me give you this and I'll close. The disciples needed to know humility. Humility was required by the disciples. They wanted to be great. They wanted to go to the kingdom. Kingdom requires humility. They wanted to be great in the kingdom. That requires humility. 
And on and on and on and on and on, Jesus is teaching the disciples and you and I humility. Jesus corrected their pride and misconception. May he correct our pride and misconception. And number two, the reason why the parable was given is the entrance into the kingdom requires humility. The way to God requires humility. The way to greatness requires humility and servitude. And thirdly, the reason why this parable was given was to prepare the disciples of the coming kingdom and the coming church. Because in these two institutions, in these two places, in these two areas that God has prepared, humility is required. Humility in the kingdom and humility in the church. My friends, this morning, the Lord has dealt with me in so many fronts. Let me share with you Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Watch these words. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. What words? Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. May the word of God be glorified and magnified in our hearts this morning. May we go home contemplating on the goodness of the king. And may we understand his grace to us and may we extend that grace to one another. Every head's bowed and every head closed. <coughs> Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for your grace. Your grace, your mercy, your goodness to us. It's cannot be compared, cannot be measured. Lord, you are good to us. Lord, you have forgiven our sins, the sins that should have damned us. You have forgiven them, past, present, and future. Lord, many times as human beings we fall, we fail you, but Lord, you have asked us to come to you when we fall. to ask for forgiveness, you would forgive our sins. And so, Lord, thank you for forgiving 
us our trespasses and sins. Father, we ask this morning that may you help us, help me to be like you. And the only way that I can be like you is that I can allow you to do your work in my heart and my life and allow your spirit to lead every step that I take. Every words that I speak, Father, should be words that gives encouragement and life to those around me. Lord, may your grace fill my life and also, Lord, flow out and permeate those around me, my fellow servants. So, Lord, we can all join hands together. And, Lord, we can, for your kingdom and righteousness, go out and draw men with the power of the Holy Spirit unto you. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for our church. Thank you for the body. Father, I pray and ask that may you touch each and every person this morning that is here. May your spirit take your word and work a work only you can do in every heart this morning. Father, help us to be like you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.